What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, September 14th, 2021, and this week's episode, Belfort and Silva dominate at Triller. We'll be talking about everything that happened over the weekend between Evander Holyfield and Vitor Belfort, Tito Ortiz against Anderson Silva, and of course, all of the pageantry that goes into a Triller event. We'll talk about the latest in the chatter around town, the return of Ryzen champ Kyoji Horiguchi to Bellator, Daniel Cormier in a planned TV spin-off of the movie Warrior, and of course a lot of little stuff. And finally, we'll top it off. It's a doubleheader on Saturday. Bellator 266 and UFC Vegas 37 will be breaking down the main events. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Do I sound different? I have a little cold. I'm recovering. But, but, uh... You know, when you get sick during COVID times, it doesn't feel the same as it used to in the old days. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say it's like in these days, if you if all you're catching is cold, you're blessed. You're blessed. I know. You know, I've gone almost three years without catching anything. And then I caught something and my little my little boy caught it, too. But fortunately, it was worse for me than for him. You know, I caught Um, like a little cold last year. And I, I, I swear I was like, oh, my gosh, like. You know, the first day, it's like, is this it? Is this the first <laughs> sign? And, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, we we can laugh now, but truly, it's like, look, I mean, you see the news. You, you're afraid it'll be you that has that level of reaction, right? So, yeah, it's no joke, right? Case. Yep. Yes. And, yeah. you know, being careful and it's like, I shouldn't have gone to the grocery store that Friday. You know, you know, you get a little paranoid, you know, and some of it is a little healthy, some of it isn't. But anyway, we got to well, we'll definitely take care of you, Natalie. No worries. I have just the right thing for you. It is the amazing, wonderful, the last supper of combat sports (laughs) commentating team. Oh, my God. Okay, so when we were we did our show last week and I was like, okay, they're going to have Masvidal. And they added Masvidal. And then I was like, we, they're in Florida. We're going to have Pitbull. Maybe Rosie Perez. I wanted Gina Rodriguez. And you know what? They named this guy who I think he's done something kind of important in history. Uh, uh, this guy named Donald Trump. Have you heard of him? Junior? Donald Trump Jr.? Uh, he was there too. Yeah, he was there too. Uh, yeah, wow. That was so Out of left perfect. field. No, we'll, no, I'll say we'll talk about all the um, shenanigans over there. Yeah, I'll be honest. It's actually rather tame from, you know, what I heard. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk into the Triller broadcast second. Let's talk about some fights. And I think the first one, let's uh, where it all ended. Evander Holyfield against Vitor Belfort. I think to me, uh, I'll say this very bluntly. If you remember on the Jake Paul Ben Askren card, we had Frank Mir and Steve Cunningham. And Mir was younger. And Steve was far more decorated. But Mir had like 70 pounds on him. 50 something. You know, it was a big number. It wasn't no, oh, you know, this guy's one weight class up. I mean, if this were UFC, you'd be talking about maybe a light heavyweight against a, you know, healthy heavyweight. 
And, you know, Steve Cunningham just showed there's a reason why there's a difference. And really, I thought, look, when you're talking about, respectfully to Mr. Cunningham, Evander Holyfield taking on a, anybody, you know, who has not boxed, you know, their whole life, I thought it was going to be an uphill battle. Really, I walked away from that and I was, like many people, I think first I thought about it as a paying customer. Um, like, I can imagine how I'd feel. Like, that was not a competition. I think that we were lucky it was not an execution. It was not an, even an exhibition, and we'll talk about that. It was almost an execution. Had that ref, you know, uh, we've seen a couple of the clips. Some of those refs, they just want some violence and... Had that happened to Evander, I would have been worried. Um, it ends, you know, Evander doesn't really get seriously hurt, but it was just very clear he should not even have been in there. Uh, I think Vitor lands a body shot, and from that point on, really, Evander was never in the fight. He was stumbling. He really wasn't providing offense. I think they said he only ever landed one punch, and that was probably to, like, the gloves, the body, the arms of Vitor. And then, of course, um, you know, it ends pretty quick in that first round. Uh, initial reaction to everything? Oh, boy. I, yeah, I did not expect Vitor Belfort to get the better of Evander Holyfield at all, but especially not so quickly and so decisively. You know, I think Holyfield maybe underestimated Vitor's game plan, which was, I'm just going to, you know, pressure, pressure, pressure at the beginning, heavy onslaught. And Holyfield was kind of like, yeah, this exhibition, let's, you know, let's jab it out, get to know each other. And it was just by the time he realized that wasn't going to happen, it was too late. The ref stepped in and he didn't really have any answers in the meantime. So it was a little bit disturbing. It's one of those things like, you know, even though Vitor Belfort is an actual, you know, decorated MMA fighter and one of the, the legends of the sport, it reminded me of when very recently Jake Paul knocked out Ben Askren and he starts you know jumping on the ropes celebrating I don't think Vitor jumped on the ropes but I just thought like I don't know if you should be so happy you know it was a little too easy and also this is you know Evander Holyfield like show a little respect you know so I didn't like how over the top Vitor Belfort was and then you know we'll get into later the the, the post fight stuff so you know but but all in all fast and just like disconcerting because even though Evander Holyfield was 58 everyone thought hey it's still Holyfield he's still you know a former heavyweight champion like he's gonna give us a he's gonna give himself you know he's gonna give a good effort give a good show and like there wasn't there wasn't time for any of that he just got blitzed so it was very very surprising I think for myself uh I know that the internet sometimes controls the conversation and I saw things like they had the quote-unquote security guy and you know how there's levels to like TSA, right? They give you the pat mm -hmm. down, they give you the wand and it was just the security guy with like the just the fingers and he just like he brushes the torso, he brushes the arms and he just passes you along in two seconds and they're like <laughs> those are the medicals that Evander Holyfield went through for this fight and yeah um all, all i'll say about it is that um uh and with respect to holyfield i do not think that he should have accepted the fight i don't know why if it was like you said he thought he was just gonna make easy work that he just has 
so much boxing prowess over an MMA guy, but um, uh, that it just he really shouldn't have been out there. And I think that um, you know, in the moment, like I said, look, yeah, there's the age, but then the weight and the experience should go for Holyfield. I will say this, maybe last week, and I'll admit it now, I was more lenient. I was like, okay, look, you know, I mean, I said it, it was, Holyfield is very different from Oscar. And imagine if that Vitor fought a smaller Oscar De La Hoya. Remember, he did this to a bigger man. So, um, you know, I I think that it changed my opinion. I, I think really after this, I really don't want anything except more testing. If you're really not there for it, respectfully, Vitor, I would have rather you fought a 20-something, maybe, you know, it doesn't need to be a legend. I just need somebody who could give you a good sweat, you know, and I'll cut my losses if I'm Triller, you know. But I think to put Holyfield out there for any other reason to quote-unquote sell, uh, I just really would rather not. I think now you're talking about playing too risky of a game, you know. And look, I, I get it. Cesar Chavez went out there at like 50-some or possibly older and just gave a fun show. There's levels to it. And I just felt like this was a dangerous one that I don't want to see. Um, I'm not going to harp on that more because there was quite a lot to break down. But um, yeah, we'll talk about the future for Vitor in a second. I really want us to dig into the co-main event. Um, really... Uh, I don't know what Anderson Silva puts in his water, but I want some of it when I get to his age. That was a beautiful performance. Everything about that entire vibe. He walks out second. He's got the DMX going. He looks like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat with that snakeskin yellow and black, you know, the uh, hoodie with the cutoff sleeves. It was cool. And then... um. let me ask you real quick, just before we do breakdowns. Did Tito look as big as you are used to seeing him? Like, when you see a replay of, like, Chuck Tito 3 or the Del Rio fight, like, did he look the same stature? Because to me, he no. did not appear quite as filled out. No, no, no. He looked terrible. He looked gray. He looked like he was 60 years old. And I was like, oh, boy, he is not in good shape right now. And, you know, I didn't realize how much of a severe weight cut he had to go through. Um, They're saying 40 pounds in four weeks. And that's unreal and crazy. And, uh, I mean, can you be surprised with the outcome when you do that? I don't think so. So one thing I will say is, and and I've said this, I've interviewed Tito several times. I've been around him. He does, he's just one of those guys, he's got a physical presence. Like, when you stand next to him, if you're not also a fighter over six foot, you feel that, you know, it's like, this dude is a different subspecies of human when you're standing next to him. He's always been in fantastic shape. I give him that credit. Um, I don't think he cheats himself. You know, I know he's he's had injuries, but he doesn't cheat himself in the weight room, for sure. Um... Mm -hmm. Talking about uh, looking at him next to Anderson, I did feel like, you know, he just does not look as filled out. And I know that this isn't what wins fights, but I felt like just in his arms, he just looks smaller. And look, that probably is case in point. He was trying to cut 10 extra pounds, didn't lift as much. 
but I, I, I did just feel like he did not have the kind of stature I'm used to seeing. Now look, the fight itself was a non-event. Uh, Tito has never been a beautiful striker, but without that extra physicality to help him, Anderson really just did his thing, controlled the distance, and I think everyone has seen that final sequence. He's Tito's almost like a video game, just pressing square. He just throws the left hook, left hook, and then Anderson Silva hits the three-button combination, sidestep, overhand, uh, over the guard, and just... Uh, I thought Tito was out. I did see the whole, you know, was it a back of the head shot? Tito was on his way down. Anderson was trying to hit the side of the head, but I did not see like a, oh, that was a back of the head. You know, that that was two parts of the body moving and it just was close to a back of the head shot. But I didn't see a significant shot there. Then Anderson, if Tito wasn't out on that one, he certainly was out on the follow-up, and Anderson just—you've uh, seen it. He—that was not a TKO. That was cold, like just you know yeah. the kill shot landed. You know, uh, extra points if you're playing something like Call of Duty. Um, yeah, that was a no mercy ahead. right there for sure. And you no know mercy. what? To follow up on Mortal Kombat, that was fatality. Like when you win and you hit the button yeah, and Scorpion like shoots the thing through him, like put the yep. put the rope back on Anderson, we would have been like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I've heard people talk about this. You know, Anderson. I mean, after that fight, after the Cesar Chavez victory, what I will say is, I'm not expecting Anderson to like, oh, you know. The Canelos, Terrence Crawfords, these other similar guys, his weight, like, oh, he's going to be this and that. Um, I'm not going to talk crazy, but to see him perform so well and look the way he has. And you remember Uriah Hall last year, like, you know, no fans at the apex and Anderson just looked like the game had kind of passed him by. To kind of see his reception and to see him kind of go out the way you always want these guys who gave so much to the game to go out, I will say it was very nostalgic. And I think that if you're getting hyped about it, it's rightfully so. It's because you've been invested in the game a long time. And I will say it is very, very just beautiful to see how he's been able to enjoy that because I feel like he really just never could get it in UFC the way that they're structured. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's been great to see him have the success in boxing. Um, I think at the end, when when he was interviewed, I don't know if he necessarily understood the question with you know how he responded. Probably is this you know we're going to see more of you or not? Um, I think he's having fun, and I think we'll still see him do some more boxing. But in any case, you're right. He's getting the personally. He's getting the the sense of triumph and victory that he couldn't get at the end of the MMA run. Um, and he's doing it in impressive fashion and like he's getting the, the fans are also getting a chance to see him do his thing, which we, you know, we hadn't seen in a while. So it's, it's been great. So who is next? So I'm going to, so let's talk about Vitor Belfort, right? Um, mm. Vitor, what I'll say is, uh, I, I, I admire the, um, the bravado he brought he knew exactly what he wanted to deliver and well he had to do it twice and we'll talk about that after this but um he is not there's not a 30 million and there's not a jake paul fight 
coming up in Triller. I think that for one, Jake, um, uh, look, just to throw cold water on it, as uh, while I do think it would be more competitive, I'll give you that. Um, Jake is signed with Showtime Boxing, which means it doesn't matter that there's 30 million. You're probably going to have to give about 15 of it up front to Showtime just to allow them to do some kind of co-promotion, cross-promotion kind of deal. Okay, that kind of eliminates the point of the bag, giant bag of cash. Secondly, if I'm being quite honest, I think that, um, I, I, I don't know if Jake wants that challenge as much as we talked about it when he fought uh, just a few weeks ago, the Tommy Fury. I look at the way Tommy couldn't take out a featherweight, and then I see Vitor handle a heavyweight. I know what looks more appealing to me as a businessman, if I'm Jake Paul. (laughs) Now, well, I'll say this. Out of the two, I can see Jake Paul wanting Vitor over Anderson Silva. And Anderson is taller. We saw how big he looked with a guy like Tito. We're, We're talking about we want somebody who can, you know... The, the the man to save us from the terror of the YouTubers in MMA, Anderson, right this moment fits the bill. I definitely get oh, it. For sure. But I, I will say, if I'm picking out of the two, I like Vitor better if I'm Jake. That being said, I don't think at the end of the day he's going to go after either one. What about you? Um, Yeah, I like both. Either Vitor or Anderson. Anderson because I know for sure he can beat Jake Paul. Vitor because it'll be a good fight. Vitor's going to, you know, put the pressure on Jake Paul. He's not going to dance around and be scared of a punch. Um, but I don't know if he could win because, you know, Jake Paul is not going to let himself, you know, just he's not just going to stand there and, and get beat up, pushed into a corner, right? Um, but if I'm Jake Paul, man, I don't know. Either one of those, that's like... The way he's been picking his opponents, neither Vitor nor Anderson line up with that strategy that he's been that he's been employing lately, or throughout his, his boxing career. Right, they're a little bit too skilled, a little bit too dangerous. So, um, I was disappointed that Vitor called out Jake Paul, but of course, you know that's where the money is. I just hate that that's where the money is. But if you're Vitor, like, who else are you gonna box? You know, if you box another MMA guy or or a real boxer, that's not gonna you know, on, on the on the first one, MMA, another MMA guy, you're not going to get that much money. And if it's a real box, you might lose. You'll probably lose. But you'll make the most money if you fight Jake Paul. Okay, fine. I just hate that, that the Pauls are getting this much attention from boxing, but I should probably just get over it because, like, there are half of what boxing talks about these days anyway. So that's I, all. I mean, there... I bring it up. They're going after money fights, and I, I, I definitely, like... Respectfully, Vitor and Anderson are in their mid-40s. Every mm-hmm. day is closer to the late 40s, right? I mean, I don't blame them for saying, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not out of my mind. I know that Andre Ward or, you know, all these big name elite boxers, you know, the Canelo's, Triple G's. I, by, mind you, respectfully, I'm not quite sure how much Canelo and Triple G weigh. It's probably guys actually slightly bigger, if I'm not mistaken. But the fact is... um uh, I don't see Anderson or Vitor saying, oh, yeah, I'm in it to be that guy. No, I, I do think it's like, look, if I'm going to do this, give me some stuff. Let me make my money. And if it's the YouTubers where I could get the attention and be the talk of the town, I'm in. 
Um, once again, uh, either one. I don't want to see them box each other. I don't think that that's as appealing with all with anybody else on the table, Jake or Logan or one of these other guys. Maybe some boxers like a Tommy Fury. Maybe they want to test themselves with them to build this story, right? But I don't want to see Vitor and Jake, sorry, Vitor and Anderson fight each other for sure. Um, on the note of that, uh, you know, when we talk about this, this whole, you know, is it hurting the honor of boxing and this and that? I mean, Natalie, real quick, I think that anything that doesn't affect, doesn't start to cheapen the product as a whole, it's just really like a side piece. It's a side dish. It is never going to affect the entree. You come, if your thing is eating a nice juicy steak, the best of the best, fighting the best of the best, that's, then that's what you're coming to eat. However, if this particular restaurant of boxing is now offering a side of YouTube with uh, a dessert of mixed martial arts that they're testing out on the menu, I don't think it affects anything. So really, I would say like, hey, you know, if it's not your thing, don't watch. But when people talk about, oh, what's this and then the business, I'm like, calm down before you start, you know, Get off my lawn and don't touch my Grand Torino. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a fun a fun way to put it. It makes sense. Yeah, if it's not your if it's not your bag, then don't worry about it. It's not touching real boxing. It's not it's not you know you know thinning out real boxing like that's still going. That's still its own business. This is uh yeah this is um. This is like the buffet, you know. If anything, that's a hometown buffet, right? I'd <laughs> say I'd say if there's one thing that's hurt boxing this year is that they've had a couple fights fall out because people got sick. I mean, yeah. you know, we're Teofimo Lopez. I mean, he has that big win, and we're talking about all these fights, and we still haven't seen him back out there. And then um, it was good to see Loma back, but then when you talk about like, oh, you know, Errol Spence, we didn't get to see Spence this year. It feels like every time it's that whole Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, it's like the two ships just passing each other in the night. Just it's the fight to make and they just are on two parallel paths. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury gets postponed. You know, like respectfully, yeah, the big fights haven't really been there this year for boxing in, in, in mass. You know, Canelo's had a great year and that's been a good one, but yeah, I mean, when you talk about well, what's going on with boxing, respectfully, it's kind of been a lot of smoke. We haven't caught fire because a lot of these big fights on the calendar fell out. And then, mind you, Spence was out of the fight with Pacquiao, which was a big deal. So I think that's what we're seeing with boxing over there. And it's like, so yeah, there is now this niche where the MMA guys can make some money with the YouTubers and we're calling it boxing. Um, on that note, Natalie, are you ready to talk about our favorite thing with Triller? <laughs> yes. So one thing I'll say I noticed, they geared the broadcast. Uh, every time it's one different. So you notice there were a lot of younger acts with Jake Paul, like the Doja Cat and Saweetie and a lot of people that I need to be like probably about 12, 13 years younger to actually be invested or know about like know what their catalog is um and then on saturday we had you know the marvin gay and we had uh 
and we had like a brazilian artist and it, it was like okay so we're promoting this card to the brazilians and the um <clears throat> the geriatric audience <laughs> you know what i mean and we'll talk about marvin Gaye in a second but thoughts on just the musical grouping as a whole it was bizarre, and I kept asking myself, is this the group that was supposed to perform at the Staples Center, or is this what they could, you know, scrap together when they moved the show to Florida? It was indeed know? the yes, it was the same. The only thing that really changed on the broadcast, I believe Snoop was going to commentate, and because they moved it to Florida, I don't think Snoop was ever even there. And we'll talk about Marvin Gaye in a second, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was like, and, and the... The quality of the of the the music portions was it looked like we were watching on VHS. I think that big screen behind the performers and the lighting, the smoke, it washed everybody out. It was super bizarre. Like I kept looking, I was like, did I buy HD or SD pay-per-view because this looks weird and and the production value is still requiring some tooling. You know, they need to they need to like watch um uh, Showtime or HBO boxing to see how they transition from fight to fight and then watch maybe like a late night talk show to see how they transition from like talking to music because they got a lot of rough edges they need to smooth out. I don't know anything about production, but it seems weird to me that they still haven't been able to smooth this stuff out because you'd think if you just have people that know how to do it, that they can that they know how to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, why is it so hard to figure this out? I don't know. It's just rough. Uh, some people did notice that, that it was, uh, what's a good way to put it? The production value compared to like that Staples Center trailer, it, it really was different. Um, uh, and I do think that they're, I don't know what it is, uh, what exactly is going on, if it's just sacrificing that on the camera and the just broadcast side, but... I'd, you are not alone there in terms of, let's say, the Tyson Jones card. I think that the music... Anita was fine. Um, Lunai, the the Puerto Rican um, artist oh, yeah. that they had. Okay. I felt like... I, and I could tell it was like... It almost felt like they asked him to sing another song, like extend his set, because the Tito Anderson thing went long. But then it just it just dragged on from there. I mean... He sang a little, uh, he just sang an uncomfortably long amount of time. Then you think we're going into the main event and they throw it to Sean Porter and 50 Cent yeah. and all of them. Okay. And then uh, I say this with love because I love USA, but you give, for one, you have a completely respectable Brazilian there to, who can sing the national anthem. And you give the Brazil uh, national anthem the video package. I know. <laughs> and you roll all this out for Evander Holyfield and God Bless America and, you know, sorry, the Star Spangled Banner. And I was just like, <clears throat> I get it. And I'm aware we're in the United States. But I was like, they at least, like when Manny Pacquiao comes, they give a singer in the Philippine, from the Philippines. When, you know, Triple G... Canelo you know, comes out. Can, yeah. Yes. I mean. And I was like, well, that was a little insulting. But, um... So, stuff like that. 
And then, yes, to talk about it, you know, when they said, oh, Snoop Dogg's performing with Marvin Gaye, I was like, oh, yes, this would be awesome. And then, um, you know, I'm expecting like, I don't know if you remember, but like they did the hologram of like Michael Jackson at like a Grammys Mm -hmm. or uh, something music awards. Then they had a hologram of Tupac at Coachella. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be sick. Triller really bringing the money. And uh, I mean, look, here's a, I, I like a good, uh, you know, special effects movie like anybody else. But um, it's just Snoop Dogg is edited into an old video of a Marvin Gaye performance. And I was like, dude, this is it's like that thing when it's like when you order from Amazon versus you order at Wish. I was <laughs> like, that is some. And I'll just say it. I looked at his Instagram. I don't think Snoop was ever even in Florida for any of this. So I was like, are you telling me that the, the that made me almost feel like was the card after it moved not good enough for you to travel? So you just sent the video. I was uh, that I was just disappointed. And also, if I don't know if you follow Twitter, but they just had the Carolina Panthers. They had their whole thing with the CGI Panther and it made the rounds because it aired on Sunday Night Football. I was just like, this is a letdown. You know what I mean? So, Dude, that was so, so wacky. I was like in the kitchen and I heard like Marvin Gaye with Tupac. I was like, oh, cool. Like, I, you, you know, you were giving him more credit. I thought it was going to be like Natalie Cole and Nat King Cole, you know, where he's just like projected on the background, like a video of him singing Unforgettable. So I was like, oh, that's going to be interesting, you know. And I'm in the kitchen, and I just hear Marvin Gaye singing, and he's singing, and he's still singing. I was like, where's Snoop Dogg going to come in? And I come out, and I see the video. It's like old, old-ass video of Marvin Gaye performing live somewhere. And I'm like, okay, any second now. My husband's like, oh, he's probably going to come in and rap or something. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. He's going to be like a rap break, and he's going to do his thing, and then he's going to toss it back to Marvin Gaye. And then, like, all of a sudden, it's like a flash. It's like, there's Snoop Dogg in a tuxedo. Blah, 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 blah. He says something. And they come back to Marvin Gaye. I'm like, what the heck is this? Oh, that hurt. I saw the tweets, and it's like, Marvin Gaye, if had he seen that, he would be rolling over in in his grave. And I'm like, that was... I mean... Bro, that was weird, dude. Like, who... That was like, if you asked your... Not even a kid, because kids could do better than that. I don't know. If you asked your... You're like 90-year-old, you know, great-grandpappy. Hey, can you find a way to edit Snoop Dogg into this video? That's what it would look like. It felt Who like... thought that was good, in a period, and good enough for a pay-per-view? There's no way Snoop Dogg approved that. I mean, where did they even get that footage? Like, does he even know he was in that video? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't think he knows. Uh, we could talk about this a lot. Um... All day. Uh, how much did you hear about uh, the Dawn... On the alternate commentary. Um, okay, like, is it separate? Like, you mean, it was, was like, it like a, whole, a different channel or something? Yes, they're, so essentially they sold two streams. One was with Ray Flores, 50 Cent, and um, Sean Porter. And the second one, there was still those guys, but then they had a lot of uh, commentary with uh, Donald Trump Sr., with Junior there. And at first it was, I believe, a... Uh, Todd Grisham, and then later Junior Dos Santos, and then eventually Jorge Masvidal showed up too. 
Oh, so they were talking the whole card? Yes, on a separate... It was the alternate broadcast, so... Dude, yeah. I thought all... What I saw on the regular pay-per-view, I thought that was all he did, and I was like, he's oh, not no. commentating on the fight. Oh, he, he was. He was on... You had to click through Fight TV, but uh, yeah, he was there. Oh, I did it through the cable. So Dude, he... why would he, like... I mean, they must have paid him a lot for him to be willing to sit there for that long and talk about these fights. I hope you listen to that feed. I listened to some of it. Uh, I caught a lot. So here's what I will say is that um, uh, th- there were a couple funny moments. Um, I know someone else brought it up that all of when Trump was trying to bring up like a fact, he would be just mm-hmm. like one off. So it's like I remember that fight and they had one heck of a 10th round and the Internet was like it was actually the ninth round. Or, Jorge, you had that incredible four-second knockout. It was a five-second knockout. There's a lot of, you know, you know, people had fun with that. Um, he, he did, I remember some of the notable stuff that he did bring it up is like, uh, they talked a bit about fighter physique and how it does or does not really, you know, affect performance. Like, that's not a, oh, this guy's more ripped, this guy looks more cut, he's going to be the better boxer. You know, they had that kind of conversation. He did ask guys like, you know, JDS. He asked about, like, you know, what was it like to prepare to fight Brock, even though it didn't happen. And uh, he never really tried to talk about something he didn't know. He just really more, like, gave his thoughts on stuff like Tyson Fury and other boxing. While, yes, just... The actual commentating of the live fight, you and I, he said a lot of the same stuff you and I would say. It's like, well, I mean, he's doing really good there and blah, blah, <laughs> blah. It, it wasn't anything groundbreaking. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Do you and, think it was, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, not a, go ahead. I was going to ask if you thought it was a personal jab at Dana White to have Donald Trump appear at this trailer fight card now you know they did they did it because you know, they moved to florida but like you know there's been all this beef with um i can't remember his name kavanaugh uh the, the kavanaugh yeah. the owner of trailer and dana white right over gsp and delahoya didn't this feel like a hey we got your guy you know your buddy your your president friend now he's now he's working for us look uh, to me it felt like that they, they are such frenemies that i don't really know I mean, for one, yes, like Dana and Donald are like buds. But then remember when Donald was part of Affliction and Dana White literally put together a card with Anderson Silva to counter-program Fedor fighting for Donald Trump rather than the UFC. So are they good friends? Yes. But one of the things I think is about these businessmen, this is kind of like their thing. This is how you one-up each other, like... Oh, mm. I got this deal done. Yeah, well, I got that deal done. And at the end of the day, there's mutual respect. But so that's what it felt like to me is that um, with Trump, because they're friends. And then in terms of Dana and Triller and Kavanaugh, I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure he thought like, well, you know what? If I wanted to, he could commentate mine, but that's just not my thing. Because yeah, I, I will say this is Dana has the money to... If Trump wanted to commentate UFC, he'd be welcome to. But I also think, okay, this is going to be unfair. But yes, if you really think about it, 
boxing is much easier to commentate if you've never done it than MMA is, right? So there's 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 a jab, cross, hook, and an uppercut, and some yeah. footwork. MMA, well, there he goes for the takedown, and he's using his jujitsu against the other guy's jujitsu. You know what I mean? No, he's gonna say, "Hey, he just pushed that guy down. You can't do that." Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, but um, we look. So that was a fun night at Triller. And there was not really a lot of breaking news. So once again, it's another week where we just had the, a chatter around town. So let's start with a lot of the quicker ones. Um, the first one is that uh, former Bellator and reigning, he still has the belt right now, Ryzen champion Kyoji Horiguchi is now officially part of the Bellator roster. So you'll remember, I believe it was 2019, you know, he beats Darian Caldwell. He's two promotion champion, not just two, di- mm-hmm. not two division, two promotions. He has the belt. And then, you know, he has to vacate the title because he gets hurt and it's taken him a long time in Ryzen. So now what's happened is that Kyoji, he was mainly a Ryzen guy and he would do like appearances for Bellator. Now it's reversed. He is now officially a Bellator guy most of his fights are supposed to be in Bellator, but he will still appear in Ryzen, and he does still get to keep the Ryzen belt. What huh. were your thoughts? That's really generous of Ryzen to say, you know, you can still be our champion, but go fight for Bellator, like, basically full-time. What's in it for Ryzen, I guess, is their um, bantamweight division, like, not... I mean, I don't know. That seems strange that they would do it, but... What I like is that, you know, maybe they just asked him, where do you want to fight? And he said, I want to go to Bellator. It's a new challenge. And maybe they're just cool like that. It's definitely like the honorable martial artist thing to do. You know, don't hold someone down if they don't want to be there. And um, it seems like a very sort of like a Japanese thing to do. You know, I uh, I dig it. You know, it's good for Bellator, too, because it, it kind of mixes things up a little bit in the division. So one thing I will say is that I think that um, uh, they did say that they kind of made the deal. What got the deal done on Ryzen side is that right now with everything COVID, it's just harder to keep Horiguchi active. And obviously Bellator has now had a more consistent schedule in the United States. So I think that um, I do think they dropped the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a bit of a loophole in the contract that allowed for Horiguchi, but... I think the fact is your ability to possibly get him back and have him dominate in Bellator is probably why they did it. Because remember, Bellator was the one that got a shot too. And instead, you got to say, hey, look, Bellator, sorry, but your champion is the second best guy at 135. We got the best guy because he'd yeah. be your champion. So I think that that's a little bit of what happened there. Um I'm assuming at the end of the day, there was a good amount of dollars that made it happen. But I think that's what it is and what it came down to for Horiguchi and Ryzen. Um, I do think, uh, I think they're going to throw him right into a fight with Sergio Pettis. I think that if they don't, it's because they're doing a tournament. And, you know, look, we're about to have the semifinals in about a month for the light heavyweights. So... I would kind of like that. It's like the first round and then the light heavyweight Grand Prix ends and 
the momentum just kind of goes straight through. There's not one ends and we're waiting for another one, you know? So, yeah, I, I think that that would be really cool. What about you? Uh, throw him right in or see you need to fight somebody else? I think you just throw him right in. Like he blew up, he blew up their champion, you know, took their belt. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to just do it with Sergio Pettis. I like it too. Let's do it. Uh, the next one, uh, Daniel Cormier, he will be part of a planned television show that is a spin-off of the critically acclaimed MMA movie Warrior. He's going to be playing uh, Bobby Watkins, who tries to fight his way out of poverty. Uh, first off, thoughts on DC as an actor. He's done everything else on TV, it feels like, except that. And then, of course, one of the best MMA, probably, let's say it, the best MMA movie ever, getting turned into a TV series. What are your thoughts? I had to reread the the headline when I first read it. I was like, wait a minute. Is he doing, is he going to be acting and starring? Like he's going to be starring in this TV show? Yes. Um, that's great. No, that's what I mean. It's like at first I was like, Daniel Cormier? Uh, but you know what? He's so charismatic. He's so, so brilliant on the mic, just full of life, full of joy, quick, intelligent. Like it doesn't surprise me at all. That he's interested and you know good enough to be in a TV show all by himself. You know, I'm sure they did some screening, some tests, screen tests, to see how he performed. I'm actually pretty happy for the guy and pretty excited to see this show. Now, I know I saw the movie a long, long time ago, so don't hate me for not remembering. But Tommy Watkins is that a character that was in the movie or no? So um, or Bobby, sorry, Bobby Watkins. No. So what I read is that uh, it's not going to follow the characters of the movie. It's going to more loosely follow. It's going to follow several new characters and their personal stories. And it all culminates with these very scattered characters eventually coming together for an MMA tournament, just like was the crux, you know, the crucible of the movie. Gotcha. So okay. the movie followed the two brothers. The TV yeah. series is going to follow more people, but at the end, it's all going to culminate with all of them eventually meeting at the tournament. Oh, so I you're see. invested in everybody, and this series—well, I don't know, like series or season—but the fact is, it they get to the tournament to fight each other. Okay, that's very cool, man. I'm very happy for DC. He's got a full plate, and that's good for him, man. Like, think about you know his MMA career legacy you know he's a legend ufc future hall of famer like double division you know two weight champion two division champion what a life man and all of it so much later in his in his fight in his athletic career and and now you know he has the podcast he's doing the commentary he does that detail show and now this this is this is great man he's gonna he's gonna really continue to grow his name his brand and who knows what he's gonna end up doing next like you know, he could be doing NFL soon. Like, you just, you know, the world is kind of his oyster right now. Um, I don't know how he has time for it all, but but this is this is exciting, man. It's good for him. I'm going to just say it right now. I really hope that uh, he better be like Ray Allen acting. And if you don't know, like, you know, you've you got to go watch, you know, the story of Jesus Shuttlesworth. That, you know, the, every, everyone said the same thing. It's like, hey, like. When you talk about athletes who tried to act, they were, they were like, he was actually great. I need, that's how I feel about DC. I really hope he has that because when I think about DC acting, I'm like, <clears throat> it, 
you're asking the class clown to possibly be Denzel. You get what I mean? That's I think it. you can do it. Yeah. I hope so. Because when I thought about that, I'm like, DC as a dramatic actor. I could see DC in a sitcom. But oh my gosh, you're talking about he's going to have to be serious. I almost feel like it's going to be so out of character. But you know what? Bless him. Because like you said, that, that man has gotten to do everything on television. Reality TV with Tough and the commentator. And he's got the show. And now he's going to be in the series. It's like, hey, more power to him, I guess, you know? Yeah, I think think about Coach DC. You know, if you ever hear how he is when he coaches the kids at um, Gilroy. Uh, Gilroy or his academy, like or you know, I know the academy's new, but when you hear him talking about how he coaches, or even the way he like went up to Jake Paul, like there's the there's the I wouldn't call it the dark side, but there's the the gritty, mean, the serious side. Like he can do it. He can bring it. He's, he can, he, he stops can tap be, into that. He stops being DC, and he stops being yeah. Uncle DC, and he starts being Daniel Cormier from Louisiana. Exactly. He, he can tap deal. into that for sure. I sure hope so, because I think <laughs> anybody else saying, you know, I liked Warrior. I don't know if this is going to work out the best on the television side, but you know what? I'm optimistic. I'll say that. Okay. Uh, Jan Blachowicz, American Ninja, the Polish version of American Ninja Warrior. How did he do? Because I had high hopes for, uh, you know, the the Polish power. And, oh boy, it didn't go too long. You know, did you ever watch the, well, the original Japanese or the American version? I've seen a few, yeah. Okay. If you spend enough time watching, you realize that there's a very specific body type that is required is necessary to have success in these in these uh, obstacle courses, and Jan Blachowicz is not does not have that body type. Too tall, um, you know. He's an elite athlete, but you get to a certain height, and unless you're maybe like um, a basketball player where you're used to like running around on, on your toes, like LeBron James or something, or a football player that's used to doing those those drills, you're not going to have a lot of success. So. You know, he did the best he could. He didn't finish the first round. Um, but it's really, he's just too tall. You have to be, if I'm comparing, if I'm looking for someone in, a, in an existing weight class who would do well, um, probably lightweight division is your best. Like a Justin Gaethje, he would kill it, a Ninja Warrior. Uh, Michael Chandler probably would do well, but he's too a little too short. Justin Gaethje's good. Khabib would probably do okay, although he doesn't have, I think he misses a little bit of a, he's I think not very you need, flexible. I, I, you know what, like Jose Aldo, I think that he's, you know, just, you, you need someone who could really just explode off the ground and has a lot of that just horsepower behind him. A lot of those wrestlers, I think they got that stocky strength. And while yeah. that, there's a difference between like taking off like a basketball player and running through a wall. I think MMA lends itself to a lot of, guys who could run through drywall you know and plaster not necessarily guys who can you know climb up a tree if they had to outrun a leopard you know what i mean yeah yeah you you don't want to be too you got to have power but you got to be a little a little bit compact like the you know one of the great champions of the japanese one was named a man named makoto nagano and he was like a fisherman that was like his day job and he used to practice climbing the ropes on his on his sailboat like the rigging and he was he couldn't have been more than five 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 six if that but the man was just just like 
the perfect body size. So Jose Aldo is actually a really good one too. I think he would do well. Um, it's just not made for someone like Jan Blachowicz, so I'm not surprised that he fell in the water. <laughs> the MMA fighters have struggled on the show. I know Felice Herrig went uh, twice, didn't go her way. Michelle Watterson didn't go her way. Um, what's funny is they've had. I've seen like celebrity ninja warrior uh, Stephen Amell, the guy who played the Green Arrow on TV. Oh, yeah. He freaking killed it. I remember that. So it's a weird thing. You'd think that some of this is like the actor. I mean, yeah, he looks like he lifts weight. He looks good for cameras. But, you know, to see him actually take off, it's actually surprising sometimes the people who are really great at it. So, but yeah, it's not been kind, the obstacle course to the MMA (laughs) guys and girls. But I think it's because Jan Blahovic, he didn't have his lucky bracelet, as he said. That's right. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some fights. So it's a doubleheader on Saturday. So um, Bellator two six. N- neither one. I'm I'm not going to tell you is the highest stakes card on either one, but it is some intriguing main events. So let's talk about Bellator two sixty six first. Phil Davis, former champion, takes on Yoel Romero, who finally makes his promotional debut. Uh, Natalie, I think my biggest thing about this is your Romero at 205 pounds. And I'm going to break it down very simply. I think that if the lack of weight cut, like he's 20 less pounds to cut, plain and simple. I think that if it works the way we are hoping it will, he will feel more energy. He will feel more willingness to use all of his weapons. That means not just those heavy hands and the power, but actually wrestle with Phil. Actually, because uh, Phil has a lot of height and reach on Yoel Romero. So Yoel's gonna not, he should not be trying to like, oh, let me outbox him in the pocket. Yoel's never been that guy. Really, it's been more about the threat of the takedown and his physicality. That's going to be harder to do against these bigger guys. If he, the weight cut or the lack of weight cut now helps him, I do think that this is, you know, could that rejuvenate him? For sure. If he is moving up in weight and still not wrestling, this experiment fails quickly. And he may still catch Phil Davis, but I think that let's say he doesn't get that knockout. You're talking about a 205 Yoel Romero taking on a 205 Phil Davis for 25 minutes. I can't tell you I have confidence that Yoel Romero lately wins that. Because even at middleweight, patient, taking his time, I think that that works when you know you got one shot. You need more shots to take out bigger athletes. And I think that Phil Davis with his length, his wrestling himself, And you know what? He's just gotten more technical. He's just gotten better at... uh, He's just become a more proficient striker. That's going to be hard to do for Yoel Romero. So I'm going to leave it up to you. What do you see in this fight before we actually give who we think will pull it it out? You know, look, Yoel Romero, there's a lot of expectation. He's finally going to have that Bellator debut. He's still a big name. He still has the potential to give you an exciting... Fight, moment in a fight, exciting knockout. But, you know, I think what you laid out is is pretty clear there. Like, if he doesn't take advantage of not having to cut weight and put on a show, it's going to be, or, or I should say, not necessarily put on a show, but, but make his presence known, earn some respect from Phil Davis. It could be one of those, you know, uh, you know uh, uneventful 
uh, fights where no one wants to make a move and everyone's just testing the water for five for five rounds or three rounds or whatever it is. Um, that's what I hope doesn't happen. But mostly, you know, offense to Phil Davis, I'm just excited to see you all Romero back in the cage. I'm excited to see how he looks at 205. And I'm excited to see his performance. Like, I want him to come out and give us a show, you know, remind everybody why we loved you in the UFC for a lot of fights, not all of them, but most of them. And, and you know, make your presence known at Bellator. Like, let everybody know, I'm here, man. I'm not just a name. I'm a name someone, I'm a name you should be worried about. Um, very simply, uh, Yol Romero with wrestling wins. Yol Romero without wrestling, uh, I think that this is a route for Phil Davis. I'm going to go Phil Davis unanimous decision. I've said this, and I I don't even like saying it, but I think breaking it down honestly, I remember they would ask Dan Henderson a lot late in his career, you know, like, hey, like, why don't you wrestle more and this and that? And they kind of give the same thing. Oh, well, you never know when it's coming. But when they'd ask him, what's it like training at your age? He said, it's probably easier for me to tell you the things I can still do rather than things I can't do anymore. Yeah. I know Yoel Romero looks like he, you know, we need to check his birth certificate because we don't think he's actually in his mid-40s. Um, remember, he's the age of Vitor Belfort. I, I think, and this is my honest belief, I don't think Yoel Romero's body is agreeing with him. I think he looks fantastic. I'm sure he still hits like a truck. I think that actual stress of, you know, get up, get down, the wrestling grind, I think that he's had some injuries that he maybe doesn't make public. I think that he's kind of like Dan Henderson now. He doesn't even try to wrestle. He's just going to try to hit you with the Yoel bomb and uh, just make you think that he might still have it in his back pocket. But when I look at the fights with Adesanya, when I look at some of these other ones, I mean, he's trying to strike with Robert Whitaker in that second fight. And I'm like, I just don't know why he's not using it. But kind of like Jose Aldo with the leg kicks, if you don't use it, I'm going to assume you're not going to do it. And that's how I feel about Yoel. Yeah, man, that's fair. That's fair. I'm just thinking, I don't know how long ago this footage was, maybe two or three, maybe three or four years ago, where it was just like him in a gym with a bunch of dudes and he would just like throw them over his shoulders like they would charge at him and he would throw them over his shoulders it was like wrestling practice or something yeah was that just for show <laughs> um i'm not so down on what he can what he can you know still do as a wrestler but yeah it's it's definitely worth questioning so so we'll see I, i'm still gonna gonna give some um some some love to Yol Romero and, and kind of hope and wish and hope that he's, he's got the juice, uh, not that juice, but the, <laughs> the, the juice to get, a, to get an exciting fight finish. So I'm going to give him, yeah, I'm going to go round three TKO Yol Romero. Let's see. All right. All right. I got you. We got the split then. Um, let's talk about UFC. you got Anthony Smith taking on Ryan Spann. Um, for fans who haven't followed Ryan Spann, he's a guy who's kind of taken a bit of the, you know, the long scenic route to the UFC and getting here. Uh, he had two shots at Contender Series, lost the first one, beat future PFL champion Emiliano Sordi the second time to finally get his contract, and then I believe he has a 
four and one, five and one record in UFC. The only one he's lost uh, was that fight with Johnny Walker. If you remember, he pretty much had Johnny Walker on the ropes, and then Johnny came back to knock him out, and it was a wild five minutes. So that's Ryan Spann's only loss in the UFC. Not a bad, you know, look, in terms of losing, there's worse fights. There's worse ways to go out. Ben Askren. Um, (laughs) When I look at this, okay, physicality, you're going to have to just use your speed, some wrestling. Anthony Smith is coming off back-to-back wins, veteran of the division. I don't think Anthony Smith is slowing down yet. What I will say is that Anthony is very well-rounded, but the one thing he really isn't, he's really not looking to overpower you. One things that I think a lot of people like about his game, very measured approach, Looks has a lot of weapons, looks to use them efficiently, uh, but he's not really going to try to bulldoze you and get you to the canvas, stuff like that. I think that's where Ryan Spann really needs to take his chances. I think if you're fighting at mid-range with Anthony Smith, that doesn't really bode well. I think if you're uh, Spann, kind of try to get in his chest a little bit, work some takedowns. If you could get Anthony Smith to work off of his back for most of the fight, you probably win it. Or you keep him against the fence, you just make this a boring fight. I mean, I know what we don't want to say it, but I think that the less you keep... Anthony Smith in the middle of the octagon, the better your chances will be. And then for Anthony, just keep doing what he usually does. And if he could use all his weapons, it's probably going his way. Well, uh, yeah. So what's your... Oh, do you want me to hear my my story first? Go ahead. Okay. I'm mostly... This is kind of like the reverse of... uh, Not the reverse, but it's similar, I should say, to Bellator. Where like I'm mostly more... uh, For the Bellator fight, I was mostly just interested to see how Yoel Romero does. Here it's Anthony Smith. Like, you know, he had that great run, title shot that completely fell, you know, fell flat um, for him and then struggled a little bit. And I thought that was going to be the trajectory of his career in MMA after he lost uh, to Jones and then lost a few times after that to Glover and I can't remember who else. But he came back. He took time. He came back and he's looking really good, sharp, fast, confident. And so I just want to see him continuing to do that. I don't need Anthony Smith or, you know, I hope he's not like, there's some fighters that just don't need to have title ambitions and not because they can't win the title, but because it kind of jinxes them. Like Donald Cerrone, you know, he's at his best when he's just thinking about the person in front of him and not telling interviewers that he wants that title shot, you know, it kind of, kind of, kind of gets in his mind and, and ruins things for him. So this is sort of what I feel about Anthony Smith. I just want to see him go out there and be that confident killer that he's that he's shown us that he can be again. And then, you know, we'll just see what happens. But he when he when he's on, he's he's great. He's just he's got an intensity that not a lot of people have. And uh and that's it. So I, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, I, I think he's gonna finish Ryan Span round two TKO. Ooh, ooh, boy, you're mm-hmm. looking for a domination. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I actually see that, too. I think that um, I, I think that Anthony with uh, he's just in a mindset right now that I think that uh, he, he's just putting it together a little better. I think that you, you look at, for example, the losses to Glover and then the loss to uh, Rockich. 
I think you just gotta acknowledge that he probably just caught two guys really on one of those special runs. And, you know, look, a lot of the fighters at the top of the division, I mean, Tony, Ferguson, Yoel Romero, Jacare, you, you just remember these guys, it was like, they just put together like six, seven fights where they were just absolutely crushing it, right? And even when they'd, they'd like stumble and they'd win again, but they never could just get back on that track. I think that's uh, Anthony Smith. He just ran into two of those guys. I think that he's still a big threat to a lot of them. And I think that that's what's going to essentially win the day for him is the fact that he's very multifaceted. I think that he's still at a stage where his speed and his power are still just as viable as any of the technical stuff that he does. And I think that he's just got that level of prowess and weapons over Ryan Spann I think that's why he's going to get the job done. I like that. You said second round or third round TKO? I said second round. Second. I'm going to go second too. I like that um, right. in that way. I think Ryan's a tough dude, but I think that Anthony's just... Uh, I don't think he's got the weapons that if it gets into a battle of attrition that he wins a five-rounder with uh, Anthony Smith at this stage. All right. Yep. High five. There we go. And then Natalie, next week, it's that time. UFC 266, featherweight title, Alexander Volkanovsky against Brian Ortega, flyweight title, Lauren Murphy, Valentina Shevchenko, and then five rounds just because we can, the return of Nick Diaz against former champion Robbie Lawler, 17 years in the making on the rematch. Um, Just tell me, when you think about, oh my gosh, next Saturday is so good. What, like you, You're walking up to the buffet, which, where do you want to eat first? Okay, Diaz Lawler two first. Mm, Volkanovski Ortega second, and you know, you know, when you had a good meal, you don't. The last thing you want to do is ruin it with the lousy dessert. So you go for the for the one that you know is gonna <laughs> gonna be the you know the, the the tried and true dessert that never lets you down. You know, ice cream, a uh, piece of cake, vanilla, or cherry pie, whatever it is. So Shevchenko Murphy will be my dessert because I know that's not going to disappoint. There's no second guessing there. You know, uh, to me, it's just like this is such a delicate like concoction because you want Diaz and Lawler to be bananas. And you you want uh, Volkanovski and Ortega to push each other to the limit. But then... Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like Lewis and Gone. Sometimes I'm like, oh, what if one of them just starts wiping the floor with the other, you know, and just giving yeah. them the business. And that's what I worry, like, oh, my gosh, like, ah, oh, they're so good. And then it's like you want it all to get popping. I I will say that um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, there's just so much of the Nick Diaz stuff that the, they're selling so much Kool-Aid that it's just kind of like the flavors seeping into the other fights. I'm just like, all right, let's. I think when I get to Saturday, all right, let's see what it's all about. Because Ortega and Volkanovski, either it's going to be an epic or it won't. And it's just like, all right, you know, it's another another main event, right? Another title fight. But I think that we're going to be... I think the fact that we don't see Nick often is what makes it feel special. And he's got a dance partner that I think that is hard to have a bad fight with in Robbie, so... Yeah. Yes, yeah, like a lot sure. of people, I'm looking forward to it. And 
We'll talk about how, when, where, why next week. Until then, guys, thank you for listening. Have a good one.